Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for getting out here. No bunch of us are not feeling good, and we're coughing and hacking and sniffling, but we're going to get through this anyway. Um, let's see. We've uh, been studying logic. Uh, we started out by discussing uh, why logic is important, that it's the foundation of everything that we do from the scientific method, the historical method, uh, philosophy, mathematics, uh, you can't do anything. Even theology uh, rests on the laws of logic. You can't even study the Bible without the laws of logic uh, being assumed and, and presupposed. Um, and in fact, I think the Apostle Paul uh, makes it clear. He uses logic all the time. We're going to look at some of that today, or at least one instance of that. Even Jesus appealed to logic. Um, and the, uh, John, the gospel writer, even goes as far as to say, or at least to call Jesus, the logic, when he calls him the logos. And that's where we get the term logic today. So we're studying the laws of logic and the rules of reason. Um, so we've gone through uh, modus ponens and modus tollens. And since we've gone through those types of arguments, we need to now study... Uh, conditions, uh, namely necessary and sufficient conditions. Um, so hold on tight, take notes, and we'll try to get this figured out. I've, I've got a, a test for you to take afterwards, and it is graded. You guys need to pass this class. I'm just kidding. It's not graded, but you can grade yourself. Hey there, how's it going? Doing good. All right, well, let's uh, pray and we'll get started. Well, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you uh, for bringing us here today and for working in our lives, for, for revealing yourself to us. And Lord, we just pray that we would uh, just strive to be reasonable. As Paul said, let our reasonableness be known to everyone and in Philippians 4, 5. And Lord, I pray that we would strive to be the most logical and loving people on the planet. Um, God, I pray that we would be passionate and emotional about logic because it is, uh, it's grounded in your nature. And I pray that we would be passionate and emotional and just in love with you. And, and as we're in love with you, that we would have that same passion about your attributes. And in this case, uh, logic. And Lord, I pray that we would uh, speak logic and truth and love uh, to all people. But God, help us to, to love. Help us to be full of love and logic. Lord, I think when those two things are combined, uh, we'll see miracles happen. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to be here today, and we ask you to equip us and use us. Um, Lord, you're equipping us for future conversations that you know we are going to have. Lord, you're working right now to prepare us for that. We might be sur surprised by some of these future conversations, but Lord, you knew before the foundations of the, of the world that we would have these conversations. And so God, I, I ask you to prepare us right now for, for those specifically. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we're studying necessary and sufficient conditions. Good morning, guys. Come on in, make yourselves at home. Um, all right. We've studied modus ponens and modus tollens. Uh, these things help to bring out uh, important features of if-then sentences, right? We wrote it as P 
arrow Q. That means P implies Q, or if P, then Q. Right? You guys have that down, you think? That arrow <coughs> means if, then, or implies. All right, now the if clause states a sufficient condition of the then clause. Now, if you're taking notes, um, this is a pretty important to understand right away. If it's a sufficient condition, then it guarantees what follows, okay? And I'm going to get more into that here soon. But, you know, here, for example, um, if naturalism or Calvinism is true, uh, then all things are causally determined. Okay? Um, so, the if clause states a sufficient condition of the then clause. And the then clause states a necessary condition of the if clause. So, sufficient guarantees a necessary condition. I know this is kind of tough, but hang with me. It'll start to make more sense as we go. Alright, for such... Uh, for sentences like these, they tell us that if P is true, then Q is also true. Oh, and by the way, I just want to mention that this is based on the Learning Logic book uh, by Dr. William Lane Craig. And I, I do encourage you guys to get that book, by the way, because I'm, I'm going through almost word for word, changing some things here and there, adding a few things. But it's based on these chapters in that book. And it's written so that, uh, you know, it's written on an introduction level. So I really do encourage you guys, uh, encourage you all to get that book. Um, all right, so uh, these sentences tell us that if P is true, then Q is also true. So in other words, the truth of P is sufficient for the truth of Q. All right, so let me restate that. Really, uh, maybe say this to yourself. If P is true, say that. Then Q is guaranteed. Okay? If P is true, then Q is guaranteed. So, remember that it just, if P, then Q. Okay? So, if this is true, this arrow means implies, then this is guaranteed. Okay? To also be true. So, at the same time, they tell us that P is never true without Q. And if Q is not true, then P is not true. Okay? So, uh, P implies Q. That'd be premise one. Remember, not Q. Then, what's the conclusion? That's right. Okay? Good job. Okay, so, for instance, in the example I gave a little bit ago. If naturalism or Calvinism is true, then all things are causally determined. But then, if I state all things are not causally determined, it would logically follow that what? Yeah, yeah. Therefore, Calvinism and naturalism are both false or are not true. Right? Now, I'd when we give arguments like these, we have to defend our premises. So it's one thing to just assert something, right? But if that assertion is true, then uh, the conclusion follows. And this is where arguments come in because somebody will bring an objection uh, to a premise and now, or a defeater, a potential defeater, then you have to 
if your argument's going to stand, you have to offer a defeater defeater, right? Um, to defend your, your premise and your conclusion of your argument. Because if your premises aren't true, then your conclusion uh, is not sound. You do not have a sound argument. What, what, are the, what else do you need besides uh, true premises for your argument to be sound and your conclusion to be true? Yep, valid form. Valid structure. Good job. Okay. So in any sentence of the form P arrow Q or if P then Q or P implies Q, right? So any sentence of the form P implies Q, P is a sufficient condition of Q. Okay, what does sufficient mean again? I had you repeat it. Didn't I? Sufficient guarantees, or if it's sufficient, it guarantees what follows, right? Okay. P is a sufficient condition of Q, right? So the if clause states a sufficient condition of the then clause. So just remember, if it's sufficient, the then clause is guaranteed. Thanks for the coffee. You're on, you just, you were just recorded. You're going to be on the, you're on the podcast now. <laughs> All right. Okay, so then if P is a sufficient condition of Q, Q is a necessary condition of P. All right, we're going to start explaining this. All right, what are some other ways of stating necessary and sufficient conditions? There are other ways of expressing these things, of expressing sufficient and necessary conditions besides if and then sentences. For example, we frequently express a necessary condition by saying only if, right? And sometimes we can write this, uh, you'll see it this way. Looks like somebody spelled the word if wrong, okay? But when you see IFF, that means if and only if, okay? Or you can just state only if. Um, so, for example, suppose your mom says, you may go to the movies only if you've done your homework. All right, what's, what's she doing there? She's saying that doing your homework is a necessary condition of your going to the movies. So therefore, if we let uh, you may go to the movies equal P, okay? So P equals you may go to the movies, all right? And, uh, and Q equals you have done your homework. We should symbolize your mom's sentence as P implies Q or P arrow Q. Now, this is tricky because when we see the words only if, uh, we might think that we should symbolize the clause that comes after only if as P. And that gets confusing, but that's not right. So when you see the words only if or if and only if, think immediately necessary condition. Okay, so everybody, everybody say only if equals necessary. All right, so if you see... Only if it's got to follow that it's a necessary condition. Okay? So sufficient guarantees something, but an only if sentence 
means that it's a necessary condition, not a sufficient one. Um, this distinction between necessary and sufficient conditions is vitally important because ignoring it can lead to great misunderstandings and we can get confused. For example, on the basis of what your mom said about the movies and your homework, you might conclude that if you do your homework, then you may go to the movies. But that's not really what she said, is it? I mean, maybe she meant that, but if she did, then she misspoke. Okay, but that's not what she said. She stated a necessary condition of your going to the movies, not a sufficient one that guarantees the movies. Because there's other things uh, that might have to happen for you to get to the movies. Um, she said P implies Q, but she did not say that Q implies P. Um, there may be other conditions that have to be met well before you may go to the movies, like uh, you might have to clean your room also. Um, there has to be gas in the car. You know, there's, there's other things. It doesn't guarantee it. Okay. Um, so, let's see. So, if you concluded on the basis of your statement that you could go to the movies after doing your homework, uh, you'd be guilty of a logical mistake, logical fallacy. Uh, and you might get grounded because, <laughs> because of that. Uh, anyway, she may have met that, but a lot of times, uh, when you can spot necessary and sufficient conditions, even if the person speaking it to you wasn't aware of what they meant, <laughs> you can uh, you can ask a follow-up question to clarify things. And that you know whatever you're doing in life, whether it be uh, like I said, anything from anything that requires logic, which is everything, but uh, whether you're doing history or uh, science or um, hey Nick, or just talking to your getting instructions from your teachers. Uh, whatever it is, and, and getting instructions from your parents, whatever it is that you're doing, um, when you can start to uh, see logical errors, or when, when you can want, if you wonder, well, do they, is what they're saying what they mean? You know, is that a necessary or a sufficient condition? If you're, at least, if you're confused about it, you can ask follow up questions, and that's going to help you get out of trouble. Uh, it helps with everything in life. Uh, so, Let's see here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians 15, 14. Just one verse. Somebody read it for me. Who would read, read that for me? 1 Corinthians 15, 14. Come stand by to get it on the microphone. You got it? Yeah. Read it for me. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Hmm. Okay. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. How could we express this statement that Paul's giving here? Uh, how about this? Christianity is true if and only if God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay? Christianity is true if and only if 
God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, I'm going to give you a, a test here in a little bit, but this is kind of a warm-up question. Is this a necessary or a sufficient condition? If God raised Jesus from the dead, does it guarantee the truth of Christianity? What we call mere Christianity? So, if it guarantees, what is it? Yeah, but is it also necessary? Yeah, this is a trick question. It's both necessary and sufficient. I th- I believe, right? If I'm thinking correctly here. I mean, if we just went necessary and not sufficient, we could say it like this. If I said Christianity is true, if and only if Jesus rose from the dead, alright, if Jesus rose from the dead, does that guarantee Christianity is true? Does it? What's that? Yeah, Zach just mentioned, what if aliens raised him from the dead? You know, aliens from the future came by, they had the technology to do it. They raised him from the dead to trick us, right? Maybe this is some science experiment from another planet. See, <laughs> right? I don't think that's true, but it's a it's a logical possibility. So, now, Jesus being raised from the dead is a necessary condition of Christianity being true. If Jesus has not been raised, according to Paul, then our faith is useless. It's meaningless. We ought to be pitied. Okay, what if I said this? This one's a little, might be a little easier. Christianity is true if and only if God exists. Christianity is true only if God exists. Or let's just say it this way: Christianity is true if God exists. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Islam could be true. Um, Judaism could be true. Maybe some form of deism could be true. Okay? So, we're looking at necessary conditions. Christianity is true if Jesus rose from the dead. You gotta have that. Christi- uh, or I'm sorry. If Jesus rose from the dead, that's a necessary condition of Christianity being true. Okay? Sorry if I'm misspeaking there. So if that's a necessary condition. Christianity can't be true without Jesus rising from the dead. And Christianity can't be true without God existing. But if I say Christianity is true only if God raised Jesus from the dead, now what have I done there? I've combined both those in one statement. God raised Jesus. That implies God's existence and the resurrection. So at that in that statement. Now I've got a sufficient condition, not just necessary ones. Did you have a question, Daryl? Okay. Cool. So is this true or false? Well, you guys have already said it. If God exists, Christianity is true. That's false. Um, Because you need one more thing. I always say there's two essential pillars of mere Christianity. or, Or two essential ingredients. You've got to have God's existence and you've got to have the resurrection. We can argue about all other things, even down to uh, from the virgin birth to 
the inerrancy of the Bible. We can argue about those things, but if God exists and raised Jesus from the dead, then mere Christianity, as C.S. Lewis called it, is true. All right. Um, okay, let, I'm going to try to clarify this some more. Um, the discussion of conditional claims requires us to really think hard about what the term condition means. So we've already said that if P, then Q means that if we have P, then we know that Q must follow. It's guaranteed. But then we also said that P, only if Q, means that if we do not have Q, then we will not have P. Okay? These two conditional claims, if P, then Q, and P, only if Q, refer to two different kinds of conditions, like I've said, necessary conditions and sufficient conditions. So let's just talk about necessary conditions for a little longer. Um, if we say that X, using a different letter now, if X is a necessary condition for Y, we mean that if we don't have X, then we won't have Y. Or put it differently, without X, you won't have Y. Okay? Without X, you will not have Y. This is a, a necessary condition. You've got to have it. So you won't have Christianity being true without the resurrection. Okay? Without the resurrection, you won't have Christianity. So without X, you won't have Y. Without the resurrection, you won't have Christianity. Without God existing, you won't have Christianity. So to say that X is a necessary condition for Y does not mean that X guarantees Y. Again, God's existence alone does not guarantee Christianity. And even the resurrection alone does not guarantee Christianity because you've got to have God. So if atheism is true and Jesus somehow was raised naturally, then Christianity is not true. Because you've got to have God. God's a necessary condition. But God alone is not sufficient for Christianity. Because there could be a different religion. Uh, but the resurrection then, added to God's existence, takes all other worldviews off the table. And there would only be one way, as Jesus says in John 14.6. He's the only way. All right, I was looking online for some other examples, and I think what I found here was uh, from a, a lot of what I'm going to go through here is from a Florida State uh, philosophy website. <coughs> um, let's look at this. I think these examples will start to clarify this a bit for us. Having gasoline in my car is a necessary condition for my car to start. Okay? If you do not have gas in your car, your car will not start. Okay? Is having gasoline in your car a sufficient condition for your car to start? No. Why is that? Because you also need a battery and you also need a starter. There you go. Yeah, there's all, yeah, so much to auto mechanics that I don't understand, but you've got to have all this stuff going on. You need a battery. You need a starter. Uh, you need other things. You need an engine. All right, so much more 
is involved, and you've got a whole bunch of other necessary conditions involved for your car to start. Uh, so gasoline is one of the many necessary conditions for your car to start. So without gasoline, my car will not start. So without X, no Y. Of course, having gasoline in the car does not guarantee that my car will start. It's not a sufficient condition because there's many other conditions needed for my car to start. Let's, let's look at another one. Did that one help? Right, we're looking at, sometimes you need many necessary things. Um, that's why when I said, if God raised Jesus from the dead, I combined the two things that are necessary to make one sufficient statement. So, so uh, if God raised Jesus from the dead, then Christianity is true. Uh, or Christianity is true only if God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, you can state it that way. Um, here's another one. Having oxygen in the earth's atmosphere is a necessary condition for human life. Okay? Do we need, do we have to have oxygen for humanity to live? Right? Our, our bodies require oxygen. If we don't have it, we're not going to live. So having oxygen in the earth's atmosphere is a necessary condition for human life. Now certainly, having oxygen is not a sufficient condition, is it? Does having oxygen guarantee human life? No, it will not guarantee human life. There are many other conditions needed for human life other than oxygen in the atmosphere. How do we know this? Science. Science. People die all the time surrounded by oxygen, right? There, there's many other necessary conditions. So oxygen alone does not guarantee human life. That's not a sufficient condition. Here's another one. Being 18 years of age is a necessary condition for being able to vote in Nebraska. Is it a sufficient condition? How do we know that? You can't be a felon. You got to be a citizen. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to be a human being. Good one. You could be an 18-year-old dog, right? <coughs> and you still can't vote. It's kind of, it's kind of speciesist. Come on. Uh, maybe we can change that. You know, uh, yeah, someday. <laughs> so, being 18 does not guarantee that a person will vote either. Uh, there are many other conditions uh, that lead to a person casting his or her ballot uh, other than being 18 years of age. You guys have listed some. They have to be registered. Uh, maybe they're 18 years old and they're registered, but they don't care about politics or they're lazy. Uh, I mean, there's there's many other things that just being alone or being 18 alone does not guarantee voting. So let's talk about sufficient conditions now. Okay, we've just looked at necessary conditions. Again, what does sufficient mean? Guarantees. Guarantees. Good job. So if we say that X is a sufficient condition for Y, then we mean that if we have X, we know that Y must 
follow. In other words, X guarantees Y. There's a few more examples from Florida State here. Change them a little bit. Earning a total of 99% on your math test is a sufficient condition for earning the letter grade of A. Does getting a 99% on your, on your test guarantee that you will get an A on your test? Okay, yeah, for, I've never seen, uh, well, yeah, let's, uh, so, if they, if they scored a 99%, okay, if they score a 99%, have you ever seen somebody score a 99% and not get an A? Yeah. It would be a wicked curve, Zach says. <laughs> <laughs> a wicked curve. I like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's just suppose we're in the normal high school or university system, all right? Earning a total of 99% on your math test is a sufficient condition for earning the grade of A on your math test. It might not be a sufficient condition for earning the letter grade of A in the class itself, because you might fail the rest of your test, right? But if you get a 99% on your math test, it's a sufficient condition for earning the grade of A on your test. Um, in other words, if you score a 99% on the test, then it must follow that you will receive the grade of A on your test. Does that make sense? I mean, Melissa, as a Educator, have you ever given a 99% to somebody and they didn't get an A? All right, because it guarantees it. Here's another one. Pouring a bucket of very cold water on my sleeping wife is sufficient to wake her up. In normal circumstances, anyway. Okay. Okay. On a normal, all right. <clears throat> um, pouring a bucket of very cold water on my sleeping wife is sufficient to wake her up in normal circumstances. If I pour the bucket of very cold water onto you, then it's guaranteed that she will wake up. There's some other guarantees that follow, like she will be really mad at me. right? <laughs> um, but yeah, under normal conditions, uh, if you pour a bucket of freezing cold water, at least on my wife, I know she's going to wake up. Um, What do you mean? Well, you could wake her up other ways. Oh, good point. And we're going to get to that. Yeah. There's other ways to wake her up. Um, let's go through one more uh, example, and then we'll get to that. Uh, here's a simple one. Rain pouring from the sky is a sufficient condition. It guarantees that the ground will be what? Wet. Rain pouring from the sky is a sufficient condition for the ground to be wet. Now, as Darian just mentioned, um, all, all of these examples that we just looked through, uh, or in none of these examples, I should say, is the sufficient condi condition also a necessary condition? Okay? Let's think about the first one. 
Earning a total of 99% on your math test is a sufficient condition for earning the grade of A. Right. But it is not a necessary condition to score 99%. Even if it was the wicked curve, uh, have you, I mean, you could, you could score 100%. You better get an A if you, if you get 100, right? Um, so, it's not necessary to score a 99% to earn an A on your math test because you can earn 100% to also earn an A. So we cannot say that if you do not score 99%, then you cannot have an A. Okay, because you can also score 100. Does that make sense? All right, let's get back to what Darian pointed out about the, the cold bucket of water. I said pouring a bucket of very cold water on my sleeping wife is sufficient to wake her up. It guarantees she will wake up and be angry, but that's besides the point. But as he mentioned out, it's not, or as Darian mentioned, it is not necessary to pour a bucket of very cold water on my wife to wake her up. That's why she'd be angry at me because there's other ways to wake her up, right? The alarm clock works just fine. Okay, the alarm clock is also sufficient to wake her up in normal circumstances. Um, I don't need to use a bucket of very cold water. All right, uh, also rain pouring from the sky is a sufficient condition for the ground to be wet, but it's not necessary. Why? <laughs> what are some other ways that the ground could be wet without rain? Maybe the hose is on. Flash flood. The dam breaks. Um, the sprinkler is on. Okay. Uh, I I poured a bucket of freezing cold water on my wife. <laughs> that got the ground wet. All right. She did take the ice bucket challenge, and I did get to do that. So the ground was wet after that too. So, um, so are you seeing the difference between necessary and sufficient conditions? Right. Sufficient guarantees things to happen. But a lot of times, these sufficient conditions, uh, or not like none of the examples of the sufficient conditions that I gave here are also necessary conditions, because there's other ways that these things could have been accomplished. All right, I don't feel like I'm an expert in this uh, when it gets to necessary and sufficient conditions. I've been studying it pretty hard, so I may have made some mistakes going through this, but um, any questions on this? I, I've got a test I want, that I want you guys to take to see if it starts to, if you can start to understand it. Melissa. Okay, so we were just talking about children when they're like, she came up with a good example. Okay, so how there are several things that, several things could need to be necessary in order for something to be sufficient. But like you said, you know, a 99% is sufficient to get an A on the exam. Yeah. But it's not necessary. Right. Because you can get a hundred, or a ninety-three. Yeah, or usually, right? Or so, is that, are you having a hard time wrapping your mind around that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I just I, in my mind for some reason I'm thinking, okay, if something's sufficient, then that's it. Like I was thinking, the blood of Christ is sufficient 
to atone for sins. There's nothing else that's necessary okay. for that to right. happen. Right. So sometimes things can be necessary and sufficient simultaneously. Okay. Okay. I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> um, I've got, you know what, we're going to take a test and, and, uh, I think taking this test will, will help. So, um, let me pass, uh, Darren, question. If and only if. Right. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. What's that? Just a second. Say that again, Zach. Okay. Say that one more time. If and only if means a necessary condition. If and only if means a necessary condition. And guaranteed means a sufficient condition. Yes. Okay. So let's let's go back and, and review. Um, before you guys take this test, okay. Yeah, necessary conditions uh, are, are are only if statements. Okay. Necessary conditions, or when we say only if, that's necessary. So we can't say the ground is wet only if it's raining. But we can say, if it's raining, the ground will be wet. All right, so take a, take a couple minutes and go through this test and write your answers. And if you want to write some explanations next to it, go ahead. Yeah, question. Oh, pens, just a second here. All right. Let's uh let's see how we how we've done here. Let's see if you guys get a 99% or higher. I've got to tell you um I was taking I was testing myself yesterday and I was uh, I did not score 100%. I'll just tell you that. Um once I went back and examined it for a while, then I realized the mistakes I've made, but it's really important to uh, understand this because uh, it's easy to make mistakes if you're not careful about reading or listening to uh, these sentences. All right, number one on your test is sunlight a necessary or sufficient condition for the roses to bloom? What do you guys think? Man. All right, is sunlight or artificial light that uh, that works like sunlight? Is light necessary? Okay. Um, so sunlight or light, this artificial light that works like sunlight, <laughs> it is a necessary condition 
for roses to bloom. Without light, roses will not bloom, right? Without sunlight, it would be impossible for the roses to bloom. It is not a sufficient condition, though, because sunlight alone, does sunlight alone guarantee roses to bloom? What else do you need? Water. Right temperature? Nutrients? Okay, good. You guys got that right. Uh, number two. Is earning a final grade of C a necessary or sufficient condition for passing the course, or at least most courses? <laughs> yep. You guys hear that? Sufficient? Uh, it's because earning a final grade of C is a sufficient condition for passing the course because earning a C, at least most of the time, guarantees passing it. Right? Every class that I've taken, a C means you pass. Okay? It is not a necessary condition because there are other ways to pass the course other than earning the final grade of a C. You can get a B or you can get an A. Okay? Number three, is being a male a necessary or sufficient condition for being a father. You guys agree? That's correct. It is necessary. Being a male is a necessary condition for being a father since it is impossible to be a father. You cannot father a child without being a male. Okay? Being a male is not a sufficient condition. It doesn't guarantee it. However, uh, since being a male alone does not guarantee that a male will be a father. So it is necessary, but it's not sufficient. Number four, is having the flu virus in your blood a necessary or sufficient condition for being sick? Well, does having the flu virus in your blood guarantee you'll be sick? No. Zach, does it? So it does. So it doesn't. Just alone doesn't guarantee it. Well, it could be. It could be a latent virus. A latent virus. So, okay. So, how did you answer that one? I'm. I'm asking Zach. So Zach is uh, is going to medical school here one of these days pretty soon. So, uh, <laughs> um, so I'm uh, g going to appeal to his authority here. Um, all right. So Zach, you said the the way the question is worded, you would say it's well, I sufficient. Think, yeah, I think the context of the question. There's probably a way you could get around it, but I think it's probably sufficient. Okay. Cool. So. Yeah, there's probably a way to get around it, but Zach say, says if you're taking the qu question in the proper context, uh, it's probably sufficient. And that's what I had. Um, having a flu virus is sufficient for being sick, uh, but not necessary, since there are other ways to be sick besides having the flu, right? Questions? What? What does being sick mean? <laughs> 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 
Yeah. Zach, how would you answer that? That's a weird one. All right. Since it's weird, if you missed it, I won't take any points off. Okay. Yes. You get extra credit. No. Uh, Daryl. Daryl's got a question. All right. Hold on, guys. Hold on. Want to make it more? Make it. You have to say to make it more sufficient for being sick with the flu virus. The flu virus in your blood will make you sick with the flu. Yeah. So basically, you're saying. The question could be worded better. Right, I'm just saying. Yeah. If it's just sick, then it can make it necessary. But if you say you're sick with the flu, that will make it sufficient. Since it's a flu virus, then you're sick with the flu. That make it, will make it sufficient. Yeah. That's my point. Well, let's, let, let's think. How could this statement, this question, be... Wor- I mean, you brought up a latent virus. Is that the term? Um Okay, so so saying uh, is having the flu virus at a high enough concentration sufficient for being sick? Yeah. Okay, I think that'd be a better way to to word that one. All right, let's go to number five. Is being twenty years old a necessary or sufficient condition for being a college student? Good job, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, being 20 years old is neither necessary nor sufficient for being a college student. So let's think about this. Do you have to be 20 to be in college? And does being 20 guarantee that you are in college? No. Um, there's many 20-year-olds at college, but it's, it's neither a sufficient uh, or a necessary condition. One can be a college student without being 20 years old, right? Most people start that go to college uh, at 18 years old, right? Um, and then there's many that go back to school or go to school in the first place after being 20. Um, let's see. So one can be a college student without being 20 years old, and there are other ways to be a college student than being 20 years old. All right. Number six. Is completing all the requirements of your degree program a necessary or sufficient condition for earning your degree? <laughs> we've got we've got a family arguing over here. All right, so so Melissa, you say. I think it's necessary. You think it's necessary, and your daughter says, "Why is it not sufficient, Mom?" Nick, you're saying both too. We've got a we've got a family feud over here. Well, but listen, completing all of your requirements is both a necessary. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. So, Melissa, your kids were right. Yeah. <laughs> um, completing all of your requirements is both a necessary and sufficient condition for earning your degree. 
Without completing all requirements, it's impossible to earn a degree. And completing all requirements guarantees earning your degree. All right. Here's a fun one. I made this one up. <laughs> Didn't get this one off any website. Okay. Is God a necessary or sufficient condition of the existence of objective moral evil? What do you say, Nick? No? <laughs> what do you guys think? Raise your hand if you think it's necessary. God's existence is necessary for evil to exist. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Raise your hand if you think it's sufficient. God's existence guarantees evil's existence. All right, let's think. Let's think. It's a tough one. Um, here, let me write. Let's see. If objective moral values and duties, or let's see. Let's say it this way. Okay. If God does not exist, then, those are if-then statements, then objective, moral, values, and duties do not exist. Okay? Two, evil exists. Three, Therefore, objective, moral, values, and duties exist. Some things are evil. Four, see, yeah. Um, therefore, what? <laughs> God exists. Okay. So, what do we see from this argument? If this argument is valid, and sound can evil exist apart from God? Yeah, so, okay, so if objective moral values and duties exist, if, if there's um all right, so if God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist. But if evil exists, then you can say well, evil exists because some things are really wrong to do, not just subjectively wrong. Then it follows that objective moral values and duties exist, and therefore it follows that God exists. So the existence of evil can't exist without God. So that means that God is a necessary condition for evil to exist. If God did not exist, would there be anything really right, wrong, good, bad, fair, or evil with anything? It'd just be subjective opinions and personal preferences, uh, basing things on the majority vote. Um, 
Alright, so, we see that God is a necessary condition. Is, it a, is God's existence sufficient? Does it guarantee evil? You say yes. Who says yes? Anybody else? Nick? Anybody else? We got a, a few of you? A handful? Alright. You guys want to defend your case? Okay, you're you're right, but yeah. Okay, well, he he could create. Oh, he okay. You're right. He does want to do that, so he gives us free will. But does he have to? So, does God have to create any world? So, if God just existed. Ase, right? That means in his aseity, just alone as a trinity, right? With no creation. Would evil exist? No. Just perfect goodness. God. God is the grounds of perfect goodness, right? So, uh, goodness must exist, but, so God's existence is sufficient for what? God's existence guarantees guarantees what? No. Doesn't guarantee evil. God's existence guarantees what? The existence of good because God is good. Well, and free and, and now God giving free will doesn't guarantee evil. Uh however, it becomes possible, right. right? Now, God's omniscience, in His omniscience, He knows what world He's created, and now we can get into Molinism. But, Nick, you got your hand up. Yeah, uh, when in this timeline did Lucifer get heaven with both of the angels? Was this before the creation? Well, we don't know for sure. Nick, <coughs> Nick asked, when in, in this divine timeline, so to speak. Did Lucifer rebel and sin? Right. Well, it would be in time. It wouldn't be in the central time zone, uh, so to speak. But but there would be absolute time in existence. Uh, things happening. So uh, things happen, times in existence. Okay, well, alright, great point. If, if this uh, angelic rebellion took place before the creation of the universe, then you would have immaterial realms in existence, but time would still be in existence. So you'd have time in existence without space and matter. But if the Big Bang represents um, the, the God's first act, and maybe simultaneous with the creation of angelic the angelic realms, if God says, let there be, and creates uh, the universe first or simultaneous, with the angelic realms, then you would have space and time. If it was just the universe, the space-time universe, it's called space-time universe because um, space and time begin to exist there. You can't have matter and motion without time. But you could have time without matter and motion um, if God created the angelic realms. They would be immaterial. right? And God himself is immaterial since he's the creator of matter. So you can't say that matter existed before matter existed. So... It logically follows that God is 
not he created nature, therefore he can't be nature. He's something other than nature. He's supernatural. Um, now we can get into the whole Kalam argument and the rational inferences from that conclusion. But here's the point. You can have time and existence without matter, but you can't have matter in existence, matter in motion, or matter coming into existence without time. So, you ask about when Satan rebelled? I don't know. It could. The Bible's not clear on that, when it happened. Um, okay, is God a necessary or sufficient condition for the existence of objective moral evil? Right. No, uh, God's existence is a necessary condition for objective moral evil in the world. However, God's existence is not a sufficient condition for the existence of evil. It does God existing? Um, oh, there was a t- okay confusing language. God exists. Um, God is timeless, sans creation, and God is in time, simultaneous with creation, and th- therefore in the eternal, infinite time. Um, God is also uh, if he's timeless, sans creation, he is also in existence without any evil. Sans creation. Did I say that right? Thinking off the top of my head here. Um, okay, so God existed. I'm going to use some confusing language because it's going to sound like I'm implying time, but so I'm putting this in, in quotes. God existed uh, at least logically prior to evil. So therefore, God's existence does not guarantee evil. It's possible for God to exist without evil. Does that make sense? So God's existence is a necessary condition of evil because you can't have anything evil, objectively speaking, without a perfect standard of good that it's in reference to or that it's falling short of. Okay, And that standard of good is God, His nature. So God's, God's existence is a necessary condition for objective evil in the world, but not sufficient. Is that understandable? I'm, I'm having a, a few confused looks. I just want to make sure. Do you guys understand that? <clears throat> All right. Now I want you to sit in your groups and I want you to try to come up with a statement or a question like we've just gone through. Figure out the answer and then hand it to another table and see what they come up with. All right? We've got a couple minutes left, uh, so go ahead and, and do that. Um, is legally scoring more points than the other team? No, that's theirs. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Are we supposed to do the question they gave us? Oh, no, you give us yours. Is the human capacity to think a necessary or sufficient condition for God's existence? Is the is the human capacity to think a necessary or sufficient condition for God's existence? And how did you guys answer that? We struggled with that one. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. To me, it still seems more necessary because it, it doesn't prove that it was just God. It could have been some other source that created it. Um, 
does humans thinking have anything to do with God's existence? It is. I think. I mean, just hearing it for the first time, I would say neither. Also, um, if yes, that. That premise would be set up if humans don't think, or if there's no thinking humans, then God doesn't. Right. That doesn't follow. But you could say that if humans think, the only explanation for that is the existence of God, I I guess, or free will. Maybe an abductive. Or rationality. Maybe make a case for being stupid. Right, right. I think if you reword it, uh, and maybe switch the the if then clauses, maybe. If. Let me th- well, I have to think about that a little bit. Right. So basically, the argument is consciousness exists and God exists. Yeah. So that would be almost a, uh, at least an argument that would be sufficient. Yeah, and I think that's kind of related to the free thinking yeah. argument. No, no, I'm just saying you. I mean, it's it's related to the free thinking argument that. Uh, you know, if naturalism is true, the soul does not exist. If the soul does not exist, libertarian free will does not exist. If libertarian free will does not exist, rationality does not exist. It can't be a thinking thing and, and think to come to rational conclusions. But rationality and thinking exist. Um, if rationality exists, then libertarian free will exists. If libertarian free will exists, then the soul exists. And then the abductive conclusion, uh, the inference, the, the best explanation is if the soul exists, uh, then naturalism is false. And the, or that's deductive, I should say. Then the abductive or inference of the best explanation is the, the best explanation of the existence of the soul is the biblical view of God. Um, so I think you could reword it to reflect that, uh, that one. Um, what, what question did you guys come up with? Uh, if one team legally scores more points in the football game, it is sufficient to win the football game. Yeah, so, so if the Huskers score more points than the Buckeyes, come on, um, the Huskers will win the football game, right? Sufficient or necessary? Under normal circumstances. Under normal circumstances, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, that's sufficient. All right, good job. What did you guys come up with? Is it a sufficient or necessary condition to have a driver's license to legally drive a car? Sufficient or necessary? What do you guys think? Is it? Yeah. Can you drive a car? Okay. Well, you said legally. To legally drive a car. Um, So, is it a sufficient? Is having a driver's license? Does it guarantee that you can legally drive a car? That you can legally drive a car? Yeah, because we're talking about legal terms, not the ability to do so, right? Um. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, is it necessary and sufficient? It's, yeah. I think it's both. Right? Is that what, who? I said it was necessary, but then now that I'm thinking about it, it should probably be both. I think it is. Just at first glance here. I gotta wrap this up. Um, did you come up with one? Yeah. What'd you get? Um, is eating only healthy food a necessary or sufficient condition for maintaining a healthy body weight? Is eating only healthy food a necessary and sufficient condition? or necessary or sufficient condition for maintaining a healthy body weight.
Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably neither, huh? Because it's it's usual. It usually works, but I don't know if you could say it's. What's that? Yeah, there's there's other factors. Right. Yeah. Did you have somebody look at that one, or? Yeah. Do you think it's neither? Or? All right. I was uh, keeping Zach preoccupied over here, so I don't know if you did. You come up with one? Or? Yeah, we were we were just talking. Here, here's one to end with. Uh, is space a necessary or sufficient a necessary or sufficient condition for matter? Does the existence of space guarantee that matter exists? I'm not a physicist, so I don't know for sure, but I don't think it does, right? I don't. Think, I think God could create space without matter existing. But can matter exist without space? No, matter requires space. Okay, um, that's one of the reasons we can come to the conclusion and the uh, with the rational inferences of the Kalam argument that the cause of the universe, God, is immaterial uh, because the creator of space. Uh, was spaceless and therefore he was immaterial because matter requires space to exist. So the cause of space was immaterial or spirit. God, I just want to thank you for uh, helping us reason and to, as we reason to see a bigger and, and more beautiful picture of you. And God, I just pray that as we think logically that we fall more in love with you and and fall more in love with people. Jesus, you said, uh, the two greatest commandments is to love God with all that we're worth and to love uh, our neighbor as ourselves. And Lord, you told us to love uh, everybody from our neighbor to our enemies. Lord, I think that's all people. Help us to love people and to show them logic, to show them the logos, to show them you. Lord, we love you and use us for your glory. Amen.